All right, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Shallow Focus. Uh, my name is John. Today is an actual uh, very special episode of Shallow Focus where we chronicle uh, the past, I guess, 11 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe through what we're calling the Avengers Endgame pregame. Um, I'm joined by special guest Ryan Hip. Ryan, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm very I, excited about this. I was very excited to do this with you because this is all we talk about anyways. This is like all of our text messages are literally just like, what do you think is going to happen next? Who's next in the MCU? So it's like natural that we would be doing this together. Yeah, and some history here. I think some of my earliest, happiest moments of going to movies were with John. Uh, we went Aww. to see... Uh, we went to see X2, X-Men United together oh, yeah. way back, and that started a trend of going to see awesome movies together. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So Alexa's got a lot to say on this as well. <laughs> Alexa's taking over. <laughs> Wait, let's ask. Alexa, what do you know about the Avengers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It would have been a good segment, yes. but it didn't, it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, Alexa, uh, please be quiet for the remainder of the podcast. Um, yeah, so we're here today to talk about uh, our favorite moments of the MCU. We're, we clearly can't talk about all of it because it's such a sprawling universe. 21, 21 movies now, um, about to be 22. It's, yeah. is, Endgame's the 22nd, right? I, I, I believe so. I can't confirm that, but it, it, I think... It's 20 plus. I've heard point. them count. They've counted all Marvel movies at one point, so they would like count Venom and, and, oh. and oh no, yeah, and Fantastic Four. But but I think I think there were 22 official Marvel Studios, the specific yeah. ones for the, yeah. and that includes uh, the Incredible Hulk, which kind of doesn't count, they but borrowed, also they does. Borrowed him, I think. Yeah. I don't think there was a Marvel Studios at that point, or it was just forming. It was just forming because well, we can talk about that a little bit too. The um. Oh, I was rewatching all these movies before Endgame. I didn't do it before Infinity War because I knew that there was a second part coming out and I thought it made more sense to do that, including Infinity War. Um, at what I noticed from the first, I think, three movies is it's, they're Paramount, it's Paramount mm, that released them. Right. It's not Disney. It's not just straight up Marvel Studios. That's right. I forgot um, about that. And those, the, it's Iron Man, Thor, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, which were the first. If you don't count Incredible Hulk. I, and I don't, because okay. it's, it's bottom of my list, yeah. like the worst one. I've it's, only watched it once. It's not good. Um, Edward, it's just like, you can't really, I don't know why it's so hard for people to find the right tone for a Hulk movie. Um, but I guess it kind of makes sense because the character is basically either a sensitive scientist or like a insane beast that's yeah. raging out and destroying things. Um, I thought they relied a lot uh, on the Bill Bixby show too. Oh yeah, like because that's what people's memory is of the Hulk, mm -hmm. and I think that's when they weren't—they were just trying to figure out how to do comic book movies. Right. They hadn't defined a formula at that point. Right. So exactly. That's why that one didn't really work. Yeah, and it's—they made it a monster movie, and it, it, it's funny we can talk about that a little bit too. But like, um, I was thinking about—I just watched Spider-Man: Homecoming too, and I was kind of thinking about. Um, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and like, yeah. like you said, like X2 and things like that. And that's back in the day when those kind of movies were like risks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. X-Men was a huge surprise hit out of nowhere. X2 was even a bigger hit. And it's, uh, those were like, back then I was like, I don't know if it's how long this is going to last, the superhero trend, if it's going to hang on or not. And it's 
oh, it's hilarious to think about that now because it's like that's these are like the only movies that exist basically <laughs> it's like uh if, if if anything else comes out it's a miracle there's like 14 superhero movies a year which depending on who you are is either like the best thing ever or the worst thing ever um but yeah um de- defining that formula starts i think there there's three distinct phases right now of the MCU. There's phase one that ended with Avengers, I mm-hmm. believe. Phase two that ended with what? Um, Ant-Man. Uh, did it or was it Guardians? It's, I don't know. I think it's, I think, I think Ant-Man officially ended it. I mm-hmm. could be wrong. So phase three was when like Civil War? Mm-hmm. And Civil War up through... Basically, they just announced that Spider-Man Far From Home is the end of Phase 3, which okay. is really weird. Um, but I, will, I guess we'll see what that means, mm-hmm. because I don't know... If, Maybe it's like an epilogue to this. Or it or it's, takes place before it still somehow. Yeah. And we, we learn some new piece of information from it. I, I, I tr- have trouble speculating, and I, I almost don't want to speculate, because I almost don't want to be right. Mm-hmm. I never am, but I'm always afraid that... One of these days, I'm going to get it right, yeah. and then be disappointed that I can just let my brain enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, like, I don't want to spoil myself with my <laughs> hypothesis because you're too smart. Well, it, it, I'm not though, and I mean, no one is. Even even the even the title, I'm amazed that nobody figured that out because they kept dropping so many clues. And a, a new clue was a comic from the '80s. Sure, they they are. Reprinting Marvel Comics is reprinting them. They're called True Believers. They're only a dollar, and it just came out. And it's like they're taunting us because the book was called Avengers Endgame, and I, I don't know how much of it had to do with like if there were any like plot points that they cherry picked from that spilled over exactly, into the actual movie. Yeah, exactly. But but you know we we were talking about this before that Tony Stark mentioned the Endgame in an mm-hmm. early movie in Alt- Age of Ultron. In, in Age of Ultron, uh, and so in one of the actual Avengers proper movies, he says, "This is uh, this is the Endgame." He was lit, straight up says it. We're the Avengers. We can bust arms dealers all the live long day, but that up there, that's that's the Endgame. How are you guys planning on beating that? Together, we'll lose. And we'll do that together too. And then, um, I mean, Doctor Strange just says it in Infinity War. We're in the end game now. Yeah. Um, and no one picked up on that. So I, I don't even want to presume that I'm savvy enough. And we've talked about Star Wars before, and mm-hmm. uh, no one, no one's been able to yeah. guess any of the plot points on that. We're no always, one. we're always 100 <laughs> percent wrong. <laughs> we have this like crazy headcanon planned out of like, well, what if this happens? And an emperor has a musical number with this and this and this, and it's like. Not, it, it doesn't happen that way ever uh, because I think they anticipate they kind of re- engineer the writing around the uh, the fan theorizing and the internet theorizing because it's like I'm sure some things are, are truly in there because someone's going to guess something statistically likely you know what I mean like especially like you know like Game of Thrones someone someone guessed the answer to what's happening already yeah. um, but I think that they do their best especially with all the secrecy involved in these movies to um, kind of like write around the theories and be like, well, you thought it was this, but it's actually, we're going to, we're going to subvert your expectations with this. Yeah. Or JJ Abrams. I think he learned from Lost Mm -hmm. when after each episode, the fans would start going on tirades online. And if 
they did pick up on something, he might have been like, all right, they're on to us. Yeah. Back to put, the drawing board. Put it in the show. <laughs> like, quick. Just like, yeah, give it to them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, with that being said, with like their actual... Um, their actual timeline and the way they make things work like that. How, what do you think in general makes the MCU work? What makes the Marvel Cinematic Universe like tick in terms of why it's been so successful when there's been, you know, like you said before, Final, uh, not Final Fantasy, uh, Fantastic Four, oh, X-Men, right. Spider-Man movies, uh, all, all these movies before. Like what was so successful about the, the idea of making this a shared universe? Okay, I, I, I think... I'll give you the, the three fast answers and then we can talk about each one. Mm-hmm. One is love. Mm-hmm. Like the people that are making them genuinely love love the source material sure. and respect it. Right. And, and you look at a movie like the, the most recent Fantastic Four and that was a movie that was made because if they didn't make the movie, they would lose the rights. Right. So they were making that movie already for the wrong, mm-hmm. the wrong reason. Just to burn it and get yeah. it out there. Yeah. And, and even with like the Venom movie that, that came out, I don't think that that was a successful, uh, interpretation and, and people loved it. Some people hated it, but yeah, it still made like a billion dollars. It, it, was, it was that, and that was, it was made, it was made to make money. Right. Um, I think what works with the MCU is, you know, even the first movie, John Favreau loved Iron Man. Right. I mean, he took a chance on a C-list, well, an A-list Marvel character that that had a C-list uh, following. Following. Yeah. I I years. did not. I didn't give a rip about Iron Man before. Like, no. You know, and the funny thing about about you know, I'll segue here with Iron Man. Like growing up, I didn't care about Iron Man because I felt like I was living in a modern world where guys in suits of armor you saw that everywhere in, in mm-hmm. films and it seemed like it might have been in the 60s a novel idea but sure. iron man didn't excite me because you could look at any comics and mm-hmm. there were guys with you know it was the 90s so there were exile man of war exile man of war exactly yeah. exactly yeah. or, Everyone or had cyber a... cyber whatever all the image image guys so <laughs> So, cyber whatever. Cyber Everyone's whatever. favorite image series, <laughs> right. cyber whatever. Um, but, You're gonna buy this anyways. Yeah, like like I mean I think there's a there's a there's an image comics name generator like, <laughs> like the, the Cyberblade. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jim Lee or whatever is just like, yeah, whatever. But but I think when I saw what cyber John Favreau Fav- saw, like he made me love that character. Mm-hmm. And and I think that brings me to number two why it works is patience. Sure. And that's something that 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 obviously the the DC universe didn't have at all because they were playing catch up. They were playing catch up and and I remember very early on it was like 2008 or 2009 when someone in an interview was asked, "Well, are you doing Avengers?" and they said, "Well, there's no way we'll do an Avengers before we slowly introduce mm-hmm. Thor and Hulk and Captain America." And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, like, that's never really, gonna happen. Really, we're gonna wait till all these movies get made. Mm-hmm. And there's wow. gonna be there's gonna be a movie later on about the making of the MCU where some guy in a suit's gonna say like all the superheroes in one movie that'll never work. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then like uh, he falls off a cliff or something. But I I think it works for 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 those two reasons, and I also think that uh, attention to detail. Sure. And and even the even the little things that are are. It, it works because the same reason that these stories worked as comics and why they've endured the ages and all of these years is because the the attention that the 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 people making the films put into these um, put into these movies from the comics mm-hmm. it 
had a direct correlation to why why those characters worked sure. for, for years. Mm-hmm. Like even things like... They reverse engineered it based on the right. character first mentality of the actual MCU itself. Like, right. it, we want to put the characters first and the story comes second. Right. Um, and that's that's the beating heart of the whole thing, for sure. Um, and, and, and just, like, little, little, little things that no one probably even noticed. Like, the scene in... Captain America, the first Avenger. You're like a walking YouTube video right now. You might not have noticed this. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do that. I hate, I hate those. Uh, I'm sure people did notice this. But, uh, when you. Steve, Steve Rogers drawing the, the drawing himself as a as a circus monkey on a on a unicycle, mm-hmm. like, he's an artist. Sure. And and that they, they never touch upon that again in the in the cinematic universe. But it was just enough to nod that that was his career when he came back. From uh, you know being a man out of time, mm-hmm. you know he found his career as a as a commercial artist, and I loved the little the little things that they plug in there mm-hmm. that, that are are meant for the the long time fans. Yeah, not just like um, name drops here and there, but like the little character details put in there. Um, and, and Doctor Strange as well, like why he worked in a movie is they took the time to show he was desperate to get back to being a surgeon. Sure. And, and I mean, that's straight out of issue one from his story from from the sixties. He's mm-hmm. a surgeon that lost the use of his hands. And, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't, they didn't kind of bastardize that or recreate the origin or Even though tell it's it modernized of, version. Or, right. You know, they kept to the heart of what made that character tick. Even though it's a goofy premise of like, I'm a surgeon that lost my hands. I need my hands back. But first I'm going to go on this mystical quest. Um, they still are like they sold that like pulpy mm-hmm. idea to everybody, um, and well, all of it. I mean, they're all they're all kind of they're all intensely pulpy, yeah. and it and it works. And that's one reason why I think it works too is because they took these concepts and they grounded them also in uh, in a distorted reality, but reality still. They make it not to the terms of like Christopher Nolan's like Dark Knight trilogy, where it was so dry realistic. That like you kind of lost interest in the main character because like Sean and I talk about this before on the podcast, but like how Batman seems out of place in the Batman movies because it's so it's so it's so realistic that uh, he just seems like an intrusion. But like in in the Marvel movies themselves, it's grounded in reality that they've created where it's a modern world, but all these super fantastic things can happen in it. So you get. Like you said, like the Adele references, you get like uh, all these pop culture references and things like that that are modern, but like it's a real living, breathing world that happens to have enhanced humans in it. Yes. And then eventually galactic beings and then eventually supernatural things that happen. And I think when you can believe in these characters and they become kind of your second family in a way, you can start believing that there's aliens with mm-hmm. magical rocks that allow you to see right. yeah. a lot of existence. Exactly. And, and you're totally fine with uh, the wizards and uh, radioactive spider bites. And you're, in, you're invested in that, that fact. And it, and it all starts with a guy making a suit in a cave, yeah. you know, out of nuts and bolts and busting through a wall. And that's like the arrival point of it. That's like the moment when... You're like, okay, I, I see what they're getting at here. I mean, that's what happened in the comics. But like, to start with the the literal like nuts and bolts character that literally, yeah, for sure. Like, and he comes in, and they start with that, and build and build and build and build and add in Guardians of the Galaxy and add in Thor, um, 
it, it, it makes this believable tapestry of this, this world. Um, and they, that's just such a brilliant concept that they, that they made in film. It feels like TV. It feels like you're watching TV, especially having just watched them 21 in a row. And I'm like exhausted from doing it. But like, Do you feel um, that watching them, uh, almost binge watching them, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like you've watched the, the, net, the Netflix version mm-hmm. of the MCU. Uh, I always wonder if, I mean, not superhero fatigue aside, d- does it work when you compress it in a shorter period of time? Definitely, and because you have more. You and I have talked about this before, where um, the movie's spaced apart. That that fatigue, whatever, kind of sets in. Of um, uh, I kind of forgot what happened in the last one. Help! But it, as soon as you start watching them all together. Um, and you pick up on the nuance and the the character, like the character arcs and things like that. Like it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. And somehow not really having a full plan for it, and then making it this cohesive uh, story that ends with now Endgame is pretty brilliant. Yeah, I have to call it. <coughs> you know, uh, another thing about about that tapestry too is that it it's not just moving forward but they can almost rewind the suspension of disbelief because you have a movie like Thor that comes out and then that's you know that you wouldn't you wouldn't have had without Thor you wouldn't have had Captain America the First Avenger plot with the Tesseract Tesseract right and which... then and then you wouldn't have the Avengers plot after that without without that component but then you can easily segue back to a movie like Captain America: The Winter Soldier that's mm. less fantastical and now very grounded. Grounded, mm. but still amazing things happen mm-hmm. that, that wouldn't happen in a real world. Sure, uh, like his shield defying gravity. Yeah, or like but, but amazing things it. that happen every four seconds yes. in that movie, and we'll get to that. But uh, but, but it's more grounded back into that uh, you know that the, the world of spies and and, sure. and 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 then we're right back into. The latest movie with you know cosmic beings again it mm-hmm. all works so i don't really have the answer to why all those work but those it's just are... the perfect storm of uh of um drive and belief in the characters and faith in the fans basically yeah. um and yeah i there is a lot of respect and a lot of love there you can you can feel it um and it's never corny or overdone i mean it's corny sometimes but purposefully you know um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's and, good. That's and, and I, and here's something that I, I feel strongly <coughs> about with these movies as well is even the ones that are not my favorites, I still love. Yeah. They're extremely yeah. watchable and just fun. And you're still in this world yeah. that you love. And that, I think that's another part of it too. It's like, I, it's hard to, it's hard to hate on one and love another because they're all mm-hmm. part of it. It's the, all one thing. It is one thing. Right. And there's, there's ones that are less. Um, less well made or less um, entertaining or um, less relevant to the main story, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but there's charms in all of them, and there's a de- definitive look and feel to all of them on purpose. Obviously, like you have movies that are based, like like you said, Winter Soldiers, like kind of like the Three Days of the Condor, yeah. parallax view of the of the MCU, and then there's like ant-man which is like the the oddball goofy takes place in a house mm-hmm. for the most part like on a, a toy train train set you know um but they all have this like 
unified look and feel to them because they all kind of connect into each other. They're all like the Lincoln Logs or like the, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's they have different playsets, but they all can connect. It brings so, up another another. You hear people say, "Wow, I love I love Iron Man, but I can't stand Ant Man or I can't stand Captain Marvel." But but if all of these movies were the same mm-hmm. and made for the same exact yeah. audience, there wouldn't be any of that variety. And I think that right. this this is their way of bringing in a lot of different points of view mm-hmm. on Ant Man is a great example. That's a quirky, funny, comedic approach to to these movies. Right, and then you've got a movie like. Thor Dark World that had humorous moments but was mostly real serious, serious and dry, and dry yeah. for the most part but then people tend to put that towards the bottom of their lists but because it is so um, it, it is a darker one it is like a more um, straightforward story more serious story yeah. like um, but yeah I don't I don't really see why it's at the bottom of people's list so after watching it this time I was like the Dark World is amazing <laughs> it's so good um, yeah, I think this is probably a good time. Do you have much more to say about that or? No, I think this is a good segue to start talking about, uh, you know, what are, what are our favorites and our. Yeah. I, I challenged Ryan with coming up with, uh, his top five films from the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, like we said before, there's 21 films. Um, I tasked him with picking the five that he thinks define the MCU experience. Oh man! <laughs> uh, Can I change my now? Yeah. <laughs> throw your throw your computer through the window. <laughs> All right. So now, uh, in the show, we're actually going to go through uh, our top five. MCU films. Um, Ryan, how did you go about, what was your criteria for choosing yours? Well, this was really hard. It was, it hard. was really hard. Um, I tried to think of what defined, like, I guess I would call them checkpoints. Sure. Of checkpoints of, um, oh, how, how would I word this? Where checkpoints that stitched this whole thing together mm-hmm. like moments that really not only defined the movie in itself but really helped like you said weave this tapestry mm-hmm. together sure um and i think it'll make sense when we get all the way through my five right um i think individually you might go really that one over, yeah. over this one but that was my master plan <laughs> all along uh was to kind of uh butt heads about some of these maybe two i don't know if we'll butt heads because i think we both um like all of them in a certain ways but um yeah i i kind of went it sounds like a similar route where i had a list of five that i loved the most the ones that just like pure purely pure enjoyment wise were my favorite ones um but then i added an extra layer of um how do they define how i interpret why i like the mcu so much or ones that like really took it in new directions and i'm like wow this is going to be a thing for the next 10, 15 yeah. years after this. Yeah. Um, the, the moments that made me, it, the moments that legitimized the MCU to me. That's, that's mostly how I went about it. Yeah. Um, I think we should start. Go for it. Number okay. five. Number five. Me first. Yeah. My number five film from the MCU is Iron Man 2. Woo! There it is. 
There it is. And and I have to preface this by saying Iron Man in itself was a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to me, Iron Man Two is the Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. of 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 the of all of this journey because it's really when we get to the heart of Tony Stark's flaws, sure. what drives him, uh, what what becomes a new challenge for him, and there are all these just wonderful little moments. Uh, I love the the villains in the movie. Uh, I love the the fact that it hits upon. Um, some of his major flaws from from the comics as well. Sure. Uh, his struggling with his narcissism mm-hmm. and his need to be on top. Uh, we see that from the very first scene at the Stark Expo mm-hmm. when he's you know just kind of showing it peacocking. off, peacocking. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Arrives in the suit yep. and like uh, steps out of it. Uh, like yep, and he brags, and, yeah. and that 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 bragging is really what becomes his undoing and mm-hmm. his 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 villain in the movie who who really is two villains in in one but uh uh Ivan Ivan uh oh I'm blanking on his well, last whip, name. Whiplash. Whip, whip, yeah. He's Whiplash and then really Titanium Man yeah. by the end of the movie but but then you also have Justin Hammer but it's really Tony's inability to be humble that created that villain. He right, came absolutely. out of out of the out of the woodwork to get revenge for the Stark family pride. Mm-hmm. And and we also see Tony's struggling with his alcohol, alcoholism mm-hmm. uh, straight from the comics, demon sure. in a bottle. Um, Boom. There's just so much going on in, in, in that film. It's funny because later on they say that that like later on in the, in the MCU when they start defining um, interesting villains uh, and finally giving proper motivations uh, and interesting motivations to villains. But like rewatching these and watching Iron Man 2, I'm like, it started from the get-go. Yeah. It's like, it, you might think that they were generic motivations, but like it's pretty deep to like have these, all of Tony Stark's uh, adversaries in all these movies are all based on his like warmongering mm-hmm. or like, not warmongering, but like war profiteering. Yeah. And it's how it affects these people on a global scale and they all come for revenge based on Tony Stark's former life and he's trying to find out his new life now and you you say I I, I think what makes Iron Man 2 interesting when I first saw it I thought it was completely forgettable uh, <laughs> the more I think about it now it's like all I remembered was Whiplash like tearing apart F1 cars <laughs> yeah. and that's like the only thing I can physically remember if you put a gun to my head I would not be able to remember anything else that happened to Iron Man 2 um, but upon rewatching it, it's him, Tony Stark struggling with his narcissism and everything like this, but like, oh, and his it, failed relationship. Yeah. But he's still, he still hasn't, it still hasn't beaten him. It still has, he still kind of got some of his snark to it. He still is not letting that, the, the fact that he's kind of hitting rock bottom hit him yet. Iron Man three, I think is when that actually finally happens because he loses the suit, you know, yeah. um, and it's just him, it's uh, Tony Stark, the man, versus yeah. everybody else. Um, but yeah, it's just it's fascinating that like you, there's this narrative that's built around these movies now. Like this, these are the bad ones; these are the good ones. But you go back and watch them, and you're like, this: the things that have been happening that you think came later have been happening f- since the beginning. But you weren't paying attention to it then because you're like, Iron Man's on the screen right now, or you know, Captain America just threw his shield. But this this development of the characters started from the get go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Iron Man 2, anything else you wanted to say um, about it? Um, 
Oh, uh, I think that it's where it's where Tony achieves his full potential too. Sure. And and, and, and well, maybe 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 he keeps evolving. I mean, that's 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 definitely the case with his suits. Mm-hmm. But he cured he cured the disease that was killing him. Right. And and created a new a brand new element, right. the periodic table, mm-hmm. uh, and and a lot of that uh, came into play. Kind of what we were talking about before, where everything's built upon upon the the previous film. We wouldn't have had an Iron Man two if we didn't have a Captain America: The First Avenger, right? Where we introduce Howard Stark, Howard Stark, who b- builds Epcot Center basically yeah. <laughs> in, in the shape of a new element. Um, yeah, Iron Man two is really good. Like I I, uh, I I take everything back that I ever said about it. That was negative. Great. Um, Iron Man 2, my number five. Iron Man, Iron Man Dose. Uh, my number five is kind of a generic one, but uh, it's incredibly important to everything that happens, but it's the first Avengers movie. Thor, you got to try and bottleneck that portal. Slow him down. He got the lightning. Light the bastards up. You and me, we stay here on the ground. We keep the fighting here. And Hulk. <sighs> Smash. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, directed by uh, Yas Joss Whedon. I, <laughs> I still have never figured that out. Um, that's the moment when you were in the theater and you're like, oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. Like, um, I'll talk about this a little more in depth with the actual moment itself, but there's a part in the climax in the Battle for New York uh, where the Hulk transforms for the first time coming in up. Like, Bruce Banner shows up on the motorcycle. And they're like, that's my trick. I'm always angry. And he punches that giant, like, space alien worm spaceship thing and crushes it. And you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be what we're going to watch for the next 20 years. Because this is amazing. And and there's more to that scene. We'll get into that later when we talk about our moments. Um, But the first Avengers, just watching them kind of um, interplay with each other, how they at first are reluctant to be a team together and yeah. form that the first hour of the movie is them um bickering basically and like they're never going to be a team they're kind of like the bad news bears of superheroes <laughs> and, and and uh they find a common cause to fight behind there's there's weak elements to it like that the movie starts really awkwardly it just starts like trying to unlock the power of the tesseract with like and that it's all like it's like twenty minutes of exposition of what's going to be set up, but it's kind of necessary load bearing yeah. for such a big moment in like blockbuster movie history. Basically, um, it's just a really heartwarming, really well written, very snippy, like just great fun movie to watch. Oh, yeah, there's and, so many great lines in it too. And, like, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like. Uh, Who's in a spangly outfit and is of no use? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it really is that uh, you can kind of see the DNA that like Yas Whedon lends to the rest of the movies from, from up until even now when, when he leaves. Because this, this movie like notoriously broke him. Like he, he does Age of Ultron too, but like you can kind of see him panicking mm. while he's making this movie. You can kind of feel it. Like this better work. I'm gonna make. I'm just throwing out all my ideas into it at once, and that works because it is so. It's overstuffed. It's not as overstuffed as the Age of Ultron is, um, but everything he puts into it, it's like I might not ever make another one of these. So I'm gonna make <laughs> it everything I've ever wanted to put. Have like 
Black Widow say, she's going to say it in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and let's talk about her for a second because sure. she's incredible in the first Avengers movie. She's like one of the best parts of it. Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow is like incredible. Um, oh, even from her first scene of like being calm, cool, and collected while tied to a chair, she's in control of that scene. Every scene that she's in, she is. She does that like switcheroo of like she's talking to Loki and she's crying and like, how could you? And then he says something. I can't remember. Oh, oh got what I needed. Yep. Oops. And then she snaps out of it. Oh, yep. Got what I needed. It's the Hulk. Okay, let's go. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really have much more to say about the Avengers. It's, it's awesome. It made all the money in the world ever. Um, um, and, and you're, you're dead on. This was maybe, maybe this is kind of, kind of coming full circle to like what, what's going to happen tomorrow and end game premieres. I think the first Avengers was the first time that they had a culmination of everything that they had built. Right. And who would have guessed that it would have been beyond four, you know, that was the fifth of four films. Mm-hmm. And it's just been on a roller coaster ride ever since. Right. And they did it pretty quickly. I remember it taking a lot longer to get there than it actually did. And another genius aspect of it is like what we said about the, the tiers of superheroes. Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America were the three superheroes I think I cared the least about in general. Oh, yeah. And uh, now here we are at Endgame. Like, like, oh my God, I hope they don't die. <laughs> I, like, I can't. I don't, I like, I don't, I mean, they're, they're probably going to, but like, who, I, I can't like imagine a world without Captain America because it's like these people that play them are so perfectly cast. Like, obviously, RDJ as Iron Man, uh, Chris Hemsworth, like, kind of a nothing, nobody before Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was on a, on a, uh, not a situation comedy. He was on a... Like, like a, a teen comedy or something? Comedy, I, yeah. I don't really know what he was on. I think Chris Evans definitely was. But, like, um, I, I think... I don't, I don't know. This might be a hot take. But I think that Chris Evans is better, even better casting than Robert Downey Jr. is for Iron Man. He's a perfect Tony Stark. Obviously, he's fantastic. He's amazing. But, like, this thing hinges upon Chris Evans being... I agree. ...as likable and as amazing he is. You know, the funny thing about him is when they cast him, I thought, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever Mm -hmm. heard. Why would you cast a a previous Marvel superhero, uh, he played the Human Torch, Johnny Storm, and then cast him as Captain America? Like, I couldn't get my head wrapped around that. And then the first time I saw him on the screen... Like there is no other Captain yeah, America. Yeah, you are Captain America forever. And, yeah. and and I had the same feeling. I mean, I grew up reading Marvel comics, and my favorites were never really the Avengers. I respected mm-hmm. the history of them, and I loved all comics. I like but, that. I like that people weaved in and out of mm-hmm. it, and like. But yeah, the Avengers was like this revolving door of heroes. Um, it, for me, I think these movies helped me understand what Captain America was really about. And what? growing up, I'm like, oh, patriotism, that's stupid. Right. <laughs> and, and, but he is really not. I mean, he's what patriotism should be. He's, 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 the, what, he's the idealized um, American dream, basically, of someone that wants ultimate liberty and wants to fight for the ultimate good, but is conflicted by the evil in the world. Yeah. Uh, and wants to do what's right at all costs, even if it means um, doing things that aren't right sometimes. But the, it's always in the greater good. He's, uh, and you can see that struggle in his face. And like I said, we'll get to that more in a second. Let's move on. Number four. Number four for me is Guardians of the Galaxy. There it is.
you know, here, here's, here's why this is such a phenomenal movie. Uh, I mean, all of these movies were, were a chance, mm-hmm. but maybe none more than Guardians of the Galaxy. I had never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it was, I have a couple issues of Guardians of the Galaxy from the, from the 80s. And in the 80s, Guardians of the Galaxy was, uh, their tagline was, explore the Marvel Universe in the 31st century. So it was it was the future, the distant future of Marvel. Like there was, there's actually a, a character in the Guardians. His name is Vance Astro, and he was the 31st century uh, Captain America. He inherited the shield, and you, and and there were all these just random space space type characters. But I had a, a couple random issues. I never really cared about it. I would buy it when like a modern a modern day superhero would make their appearance in that world, like the Fantastic. Four appeared and mm-hmm. Silver Surfer and I'm like, oh, sure. I'm interested in what happens to them in the future. But other than that, I, I didn't really care. Um, they took a chance on Guardians of the Galaxy. They took a, a, a property that no one really knew about or cared about and said, watch, we're going to put that Marvel magic on here and we're going to make everyone love these characters. And what a phenomenal success. You don't have more beloved pop culture characters than Groot and Rocket. I mean, right. They're, they're everywhere. They're Christmas ornaments now. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't think I would like Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. But, man, what a what a great character. I mean, he's 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 a good guy. He's, he, he's a kid that grew up on Earth. He was lost his mom, uh, never had a dad, put in this horrible situation, but he's still kind of a deep-down good guy. And I think he's based his... It, the brilliant part is he's based on clearly like Indiana Jones, Han Solo, and he's from a world where he's seen those movies, yeah. and he's thrust into a situation where he can kind of be that, but he's not that, which is even more Indiana Jones and Han Solo-ish. Um, yeah, he's faking it till he make it. Yeah, and he just happens to make it uh, sometimes, and sometimes he's in control. Um, yeah, and it's... Watching it this time, I think I liked it less than I did before, but when it came out, it was like... I remember going to work and everyone was like, have you, seen, have you guys seen Guardians of the Galaxy yet? Have you, it's amazing, it's amazing. It put everybody in the best mood to see this movie yeah. because it was, most, a lot of the times it was the soundtrack, like we put the soundtrack on oh, at work. Yeah. At, when we were, I was serving. That was like, another factor that I just loved about it. Serving it, serving it at a bar and like we put that on as the, the music. Everyone's like, oh, this is the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. And it's this crazy scenario where the movie starts with like a, uh, uh, Umbrella is a Shoreberg, like singing in the rain, basically like song dance number, but it's not a song and dance number. It's come and get your love. Mm-hmm. And he's kicking puddles and singing with a microphone. It's like a little lizard creature and things like that. And it's like, okay, you set the tone. Yeah, this is absolutely. completely different. Yeah. I mean, even from even, I mean, even the, the, the previews set the tone. It was something different. Oh yeah, that, definitely. I, I mean, it, it, and, and, oh, I just feel that it also touches upon kind of that same theme of, uh, Avengers in space where these are some ragtag characters that are thrust together and they form the family that none of them had or Ever the family had. that they lost. Mm-hmm. And there's For some sure. just really touching moments in it. And, you know, when he finally opens the, the birthday present, he never opened. And like, I just, I, I feel like, oh man, there, there's just so much I love about it. And, you know, at the time I was even saying, this is, this is a, a modern day Star Wars if we also didn't have Star Wars. <laughs> but also, Star Wars is still here. So. <laughs> and, 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 and the other factor that I, that I loved about it is um, it really was the first film, 
even though there was Thanos was hinted upon mm-hmm. in the other films, this is the one that made it solidified because this one was the the mo- one that was as closely tied to what Thanos' motivation was. Sure. And if you would have asked the Ryan from ninth grade who bought on summer vacation Infinity Gauntlet number one, not really knowing the, the history of the 70s Marvel comics of Jim Starlin, picking up this book because it was a summer event and learning about characters like Drax the Destroyer and Gamora mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Adam Warlock, who we may eventually see in I'm the sure cinematic universe. I would have never in a million years guessed that these characters would ever be on the silver screen. And they would ever hit as hard as they did. Yeah. Um, I love me some Drax. I also love that Bradley Cooper's best role ever is Rocket Raccoon. Because, like, that's an incredible character through and through is Rocket Raccoon. He's, oh. like, one of my favorite characters, period, in, 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 the, in these movies. And, like, have you ever seen the videos of Bradley Cooper doing the vocal work? For, oh, no. It's, that... it's kind of uh, upsetting. <laughs> but it's also, like, really... He, he's given it everything he has, and it comes through. In, even even Vin Diesel, like like he didn't just come <laughs> in and say I am Groot a couple times. There's personality like, in everything. Yeah, he's like, saying. like I think he said it over like three thousand times. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's, and it's like yeah, it's I mean, and, and he was the voice of the Iron Giant, which mm-hmm. is another favorite movie of mine. Like, Classic, like Vin Diesel. Uh, I think it's great. <laughs> I think that they could have gotten anyone to do this, but they they went all out and they they said we're going to do this right. They got Dominic Toretto, yeah, to fly in in his uh, charger. And voice uh, group. This is now a Vin Diesel podcast. This is Brazil. Um, yeah. I just yeah. There's so much. There's so much to love about about Guardians. I so Guardians. My number four. Uh, my number four is Black Panther. Uh, oh wow, number four. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> you love that movie. So I loved. I love I can't it. Wait to see what happens next. But number four, like Black Panther is my number four. Uh, this this rewatch that I did changed everything for me <laughs> in terms of the ones that I love the most. Well, the one that I've always loved the most is still on there. Um, but Black Panther, it was first of all such a cultural moment too. Like I, I have a fascination with moments that are like everyone rallies around the same thing. Like yeah, yeah. Um, it it just it's exciting to go there and opening night and watch a movie that ends up being amazing too. And and, and Ryan Coogler, this is his third film. Um, Fruitvale Station, Creed, and then Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's on this hot streak, and he comes and he makes this this film that's not just like a badass action movie with like this um, incredible new world we explore and uh, this hidden isolationist country of Wakanda where we there's all the cultures are fleshed out, all, right, all the cultures fleshed out, and it's this vibrant, colorful world. Um, it has deep meaning to it, uh, and the more you watch it, the more you pull out of it. And it's like the gutsiest thing to do for a blockbuster movie is to add these like um, these motivations of like um, different schools of like African American thought conflicting oh, yeah. each other, like yeah. MLK versus Malcolm X. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the the last fight is on an underground railroad. Like, yeah. it's really it's Which just, I didn't yeah. catch, and it's until, like so, it's so literal. And then I'm like, how did I not see that? But like on top of all that, you have this really compelling story about a man who fights his way back into his uh, initially his home turf to to take the uh, take the throne away from the 
the ruler of Wakanda. Like it's this really compelling, like uh, Shakespearean story of uh, of uh, families battling and but all under the guise of like a guy who wears a suit that stores kinetic energy yeah. <laughs> that can like yeah. and like has razor sharp claws, you know. And it's um, a movie where like the women are like cooler than the title character. Yeah. Like yeah. Okoye is amazing. Shuri is amazing. Yeah, like, um, and it was this world within a world, just the process of how they approach this movie of this is not only in our cinematic universe, but this is Wakanda and we're going to flesh it out and you, we travel all over the place. Um, it's, yeah, it's incredible. It's great. Um, I feel and, like, and again, that same theme, we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had Black Panther if we didn't have Captain America Civil War or even mm-hmm. Age of Ultron because mm-hmm. all of these things that are being introduced are being right. tiled on Vi- top of each other. Vibranium. Vibranium. You get talked about for like a second in Age of Ultron. Like you're... Uh, Ulysses so, Claw being a... Yeah, I forgot that he was introduced in the movie. Yep. Um, and he, uh, like they say, like um, all, all these... Practical uses for this, and you make a you make a frisbee, yeah, um, and then you you get that fleshed out in Wakanda with all these different power sources, and um, and it becomes a movie about sharing your gift with the world. Basically, mm-hmm. it becomes a movie about like um, spreading what you offer to the world to to the world to make it a better place. Um, it's just got there's just one million things going on in this movie, and I think it's incredible. Um, the entire cast is great. Uh, Winston, it introduces Winston Duke, who I think is like oh, movie star for, forever now. Uh, he was just in uh, Us, and he was great in that. Um, yeah, Black Panther, I, I feel like I've said a lot about it. Uh, and we got to talk about, I think that maybe it has the best cinematic villain motivation as well. That's, uh, like you really can, I mean, what, what do they always say? That the best villains are the ones that, that, uh, you can actually relate to, or, yeah. they, or that they you, don't know that they're. You're the more villain. sympathetic to to Killmonger in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just so much to talk about that I almost didn't talk about. My favorite part of it uh, is Eric Killmonger comes in and says, "Like you, our people are dying across the world, and we have the uh, the means to to wipe this out and stop it. Why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we?" Who control the world basically? If we wanted to, why wouldn't we do it to, to protect our yeah. people? Uh, I, I kind of get that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's, it kind of makes sense. Or, or even the motivation of uh, um, I, I forget his name, but uh, the the herder, the, you know, he who you know. I forget he, his name too. It's uh, Daniel Kaluuya's yeah, yeah, character. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, the, like to let him back in. To, to let him back in, and like I mean, it was a, kind of a moment of betrayal. But his, you know, uh, T'Challa didn't do what he said he was going to do. And then you've got the you know the the white ape tribe, and mm-hmm. they've got their reasons, mm-hmm. but they come you know they come around in the end. But there's a lot of conflict, right, in this movie. Yeah, and it's set up within two hours, and it's resolved within two hours in a very satisfactory way, and it's mm-hmm. in a very pleasing way. Um, and, and again, we could probably talk about Black Panther for two more hours, but we should move on. All right, we're moving on to Ryan. Your number three. My number three is Captain America: Civil War. Ooh. Very close to my number three, but uh, the reason that I love this is, I mean, similar themes to what we're saying. This is another time that the impossible happened and things started to get nuts mm-hmm. and congeal, and it oh, still yeah. worked. Oh yeah, and and what I loved about this movie is that they frame it at initially frame it as what side are you on, mm-hmm. but 
you remember that this isn't Avengers Civil War. This is Captain America Civil War. So the, the hero of the movie, ultimately, it's told through his viewpoint. So there is a, a lens here from mm-hmm. the get-go that it's Captain America's story, and the villain here is the fact that his family is breaking apart mm-hmm. uh, due to the tensions of between him and Tony Stark. His internal civil war yeah. with himself. Do I keep the team or do I follow what's right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> and it's, it's a great double entendre of a title because it's... Um, you know, military reference. It's talking about the past of our country mm-hmm. being divided apart, but and and you know, it, it's also about their team being being torn apart and his own ideals being torn apart and doing the right thing. And you know, some of the the best moments of that film are you know when Tony and uh, Steve are talking and he had the pen set out and you know, I don't want to break up the set. Once we put out the PR fire, those documents. Can be amended. I'd file a motion to have you and Wanda reinstated. Wanda? What about Wanda? She's fine. She's confined to the compound currently. Vision's keeping her company. Oh, God, Tony. Every time, every time I think what you've seen things the right way. What if 100 acres with your lap pool, it's got a screening room. There's worse ways to protect people. Protection? Is that how you see this? This is protection? It's internment, She's Tony. not a U.S. citizen, and they oh, don't grant on, visas Tony. to weapons of mass destruction. She's a kid. Give me a break. Right, and throws his it way back of saying, to him. His way of saying, you know, we don't see eye to eye. Oh, it's, and, it's, it's amazing. But, but you know, it's also another moment of, you know, I think, I don't remember if this is when Phase 3 started or when it was at the heart of Phase 3, but this is when we added a whole new slew of amazing characters into the mm-hmm. mix. And, oh, yeah. You know. We, find, we, get, we get Spider-Man. We get Spider-Man. We get... Uh, Black we, Panther. Black Panther was introduced. Um, Winter Soldier... His story arc continues from, uh, you know, his his journey from the first Avenger to his, the Winter Soldier. To his now. arc becoming a, a, a hero. Yeah. And it, he's still got traces of villain in him. And it's it's crazy. It's a, it's such a great movie. Um, I and, tried to get my wife to let us have the the, the, the book. <laughs> this is his uh, un- unlock code. Oh, yeah. Wedding vows <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't work didn't too work well. Didn't work out too well. I thought it would have been t- really timely as well. But... You both just flip out and wipe out the whole. Oh, uh, Can you even imagine that? This? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you reveal your metal, your metal arm to the world. Uh, I, this is a theme throughout. I, I just love this aspect of the character, but his conflict is worn on his face the entire time for the for the whole mm. movie. You can just see. Uh, He's he's trying to do what's right. He's trying to do what's right, and you get to the part where uh, Bucky's like trying to escape through down that stairwell. Yeah, yeah, and he's the bad guy still. He's trying to escape at all costs. Well, he's not the bad guy. He's running from the law, but he's like, I'm I'm looking out for myself. He pushes like the SWAT guy yeah. down the and, he, and, uh, yeah. and Captain America goes and saves him. He goes, Come on, man! Like <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to help everybody out here, and you're, yeah, you're making it really that. difficult. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help everybody. Um, well, uh, even, even, I mean, even uh, he's conflicted about the accords, and, and and which which creates that rift between the Avengers. But he loves his friend, and we even see flashbacks of, uh, you know, it goes back to the old line of um, "I'm with you to the end." You know, I'm, I'm with you to the end of the line. To the end of the line, yeah. And and, and you know, he is not going to give up on Bucky Barnes, right? 
no matter what. And and Tony is jealous of that friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, I, you know, he's my friend. I was too. I was too. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's that moment where Tony starts to realize that he was wrong about the Winter Soldier and he shows up and you're thinking, oh, fi- finally they're going to patch things up. But Tony goes over the top mm-hmm. for several reasons. One, he, he almost loses his best friend, Rhodey, right. because of all of this conflict. He's mad at himself for, for bringing all this on, but when he finds out that they were wrong and it was Baron Zemo the whole time, right? Uh, you know, he he shows up with good intentions, but when he sees the footage, when he finds out that it's the Winter Soldier that that it, it didn't off matter. his parents, yeah, it was like, over. Rage took over, yeah. And 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 that that movie, this episode starts with the the amazing technology of the the flashback scene of de aging of, of the yeah the de aging, and I felt like that was filmed 10 minutes after weird science yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, and that I, was at the beginning of that technology which i i have a feeling we're at the beginning of the age of like overusing that now there's like a will smith movie coming out directed by ang lee where he chases his younger self oh uh, and yeah. it's like oh boy here we go uh we've yeah. unlocked the box um but yeah that's and it's I, it was kind of st- not startling it was jolting to me that like um i forgot i was like oh, yeah iron man's in this i forgot this yeah. is like avengers light uh, but, but to see Tony is again, his he's arc, the villain. He's the villain, and 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 there's so many moments where he kind of does the wrong thing, and and even even in Peter Parker, like showing up at Peter Parker's house, kind of manipulating manipulating him into this. He knew that he knew Captain America's not wrong. He just was mad at him, right? And to tell this teenager he's wrong, he's he wrong. Thinks he's right, yeah. And and that relationship with you know that little moment with. Cap forgiving Peter for being pulled into this and talking about the neighborhood. Right. You know, that, that was pretty, pretty amazing. And, yeah, it's and great. Gosh, to see Peter Parker, the powerhouse, and not realizing just how amazing he was. Yeah. Stopping the Winter Soldier's punch. And right. then, yeah. Wow, your arm's made of metal. <laughs> he's like wowed by everything going on. He's like, it's he, it could be more cool that he's getting a fight with his like heroes. Um, oh, and there's also all the little, all the little Easter eggs, like, the raft, you know, and and uh, you know the the superhero, the supervillain prison out on the water. Mm-hmm. And they introduce that, and and oh, there's just so much. And you see the, these classic moments like uh, the Hawkeye Ant Man team up with oh, the, yeah. with the arrow being shot. And oh yeah, so many so many good. But what I really love is that there, other than Baron Zemo, well, it wasn't Baron in this. Uh, just Zemo, yeah. It's just Zemo, General being, Zemo, being the, like that. being the manipulator. The real villain was the real. I mean, it, I guess you call Tony the villain, but the real villain was their lack of uh, faith in each other. For sure, um, and that bond that's so easily broken. Mm-hmm. And think by the end of the movie, their this their relationship is destroyed mm-hmm. and they're fractured even now. Um, Which we're hoping is going to come back together well, yeah. for the greater good, obviously. Well, yeah, and it's like it's going to, <laughs> but, like, um, but it's been several years. They have not been friends. right. And he, he has the cell phone. He still he still, still yeah. can't call him. And, I mean, what a great ending too! Like mm-hmm. Cap's like, "Hey, sorry about the big fight." Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. A purely Steve Rogers moment of like, "I'm the night. I, I gotta gotta I'm say." Feel, feeling guilty about something i gotta gotta call you real quick um yeah I, civil war is fantastic uh but in terms of captain america movies 
Uh, my number three is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is that on your list somewhere it too? Is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and we don't have many left, so it's it, a of elimination here. Is it number? Is it your number one? I guess cats out of the bag. <laughs> Literally, Black Panther's number two. Okay. Captain America, Winter Soldier's number one. Okay, let's do it. So uh, um, go, go, let's talk about Winter Soldier. Um, Winter Soldier is one that like I hadn't seen in forever and when you watch it it's a, a moment every two minutes in that movie oh, okay. it's uh it's literally the way that uh the Russo brothers shot it is they it's funny because I read an interview that was like um we want to do as little CGI as possible in this and it, it cracks me up because the whole end is like this intense uh, air battle set piece between the CGI <laughs> floating fortresses and things like that. So it's like, yeah, clearly you can't make a floating uh, fortress in the sky uh, with practical effects. Um, but just the um, how hard things hit in this movie oh, yeah. is like it, not just physically in the fights, but just like it's so serious and grounded in reality, but it's like this absurd guy in a spandex suit with a shield that's going through this like 70s intrigue plot. Yeah, yes. Um, to the point where they get like Robert Redford in the movie too, who is in like oh, all the to. 70s. <laughs> yeah, there's like no other way to do it. Um, it's it's just so, it's just badass. That's what, There's really not a lot of nuance to why I love this one so much. It's just like the entire time it's just like gr- gripping and you get to, this is one of my moments from later too, but, but we have to talk about it for talking about Winter Soldier. When you get to the point where um, this plot's unraveling and you're like, um, Steve Rogers is leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. and he gets into the elevator to leave. Oh, the elevator. And, and he sees the soldiers sweating and looking nervous and not making eye contact with him. Uh, and holding the gun. Holding the gun. Everyone's twitching and he's looking around and it slowly dawns on him that like um, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been compromised. Mm-hmm. And he he says before we get started does anyone want to get out the still the coolest thing in the world to see like there's, I'm, I'm going to win there's 15 thugs <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a space in a tiny, big as my bedroom closet yeah and he's like just who before we leave and like he fights those magnetic handcuffs right away and just uh, kicks ass for like five minutes. Oh, and they're all laid out on the floor. And then he <laughs> kicks his shield yeah. back up into his hand. And it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I don't know. And, it, and and it's like, like I said before, how could you love Captain America more than this movie? But like progressively, he gets just like, it, this is one of the all-time great film characters at this point. I, I, I have no problem saying that. Yeah, like, there's, I, I feel the same way. I, I From the get-go in this film, I mean, we saw him in action in... The first Avenger, we saw him in action in the Avengers, but there was just something about how this was shot that reminded you just how it enhanced he was. Right? right. He did he did he jump out of the plane without a shoe? Yeah. Yes, yes, he did. yes, he did. And, and that whole scene of him taking out the thugs on the boat, yeah, fl- throwing his shield like a boomerang, but it's just go 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 go, 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 yeah. go. Yeah. jump kicking, yeah, and then, and then battering ramming people, but then opening the door. Beating someone up inside, throwing oh. them off the boat, like. Um, and when we finally was up against Batrock the Leaper, yeah, and he goads him, and that scene where he puts his shield away, yeah, takes his helmet off, <laughs> and it's, has this fight man to man. Oh yeah, it's just, just so cool. It set the stage, and you're right about the elevator scene. You're oh, there's so many good moments here. The part where um, is it Ar- Arnim Zola? Yeah. Um, oh, how, how they handle how they handle him. 
For those, goes, for those of you on the uh, uh, listening that aren't, aren't familiar, <laughs> Ar- Arnim Zola in the comics was a, a, a World War one of his World War II villains that that made it to the future as well as Steve Rogers. But his body was gone and his mind was put into this robotic body with this uh, crazy face on his on his uh, on our TV on his chest and a little camera for a head. It was like digital crane. Yeah, digital crane. I just love, there's so many moments in Winter Soldier where you realize how sad Steve is. Mm-hmm. He's trapped in a, in, a, in a, what do they say, trapped in a world he never made. That's mm-hmm. a Marvel Comics uh, trope. Um, he's trying to find connections with people. He meets this guy that understands what it's like to be a soldier. Um, he's got his little notebook of things that he's got to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's the first movie that reckons with uh, the fact that he is like you know, uh, first Avenger takes like you said takes place in the forties, and it's the first movie where you get a full glimpse of modern day Steve Rogers yeah. and like he, a past that he can't reclaim. Yep, he can't go back to who he used to be because it, it was stripped away from him. Um, by choice, but not by choice. Yeah. Um, and he's really just struggling with not being in this world, but now he's a part of it. And he's got to make do with yep. what he's got. Yeah, it's, I it's love it so much. And then, oh, the heartwarming scene of him going to visit Peggy Carter. Oh, yeah. I, and, I can't even talk about amnesia, it. <laughs> amnesia, like, it's just, you know, and then he just, I mean, you, you see his heart there. Because, mm-hmm. like, he he just went with it and said, well, I, you know, couldn't, couldn't. Let my best girl down, yeah. I, you know, right. shows me a dance, uh, and he's almost gonna cry, you know. Oh, but he's trying, he's so. still trying to normalize it, yeah. And, and yeah, come on, people that think that these are just like blockbuster, like stupid, goofy no. movies, there's so much to there's so, so much, much going on here. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Winter Soldier's my number three, it's your number one, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, spoiler. Uh, going back to our buddy Cap again. For my favorite out of all of the movies is Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, and I have to preface, before you go into it, I have to preface how hard it was for me to omit first Avenger from my list. It's, it's crazy it's, that you it's did. A, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the a, Ryan Hip uh, oh, favorite. You can tell. It, it is. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it is, but, but it, it's... Oh, man. I wish I could have had six. Uh, and, and, and there's just so much good going for it. Um, first of all, directed by Joe Johnston, uh, who did... It's it relies on this fact almost one hundred percent. This is clearly why they chose him. Um, Joe Johnson directed the Rocketeer, yep. and the Rocketeer parallels here are like it's almost one to one, but it's Captain America and it's this launching of this incredible new. This is the movie where they started to really say like, hey, we could probably put these all together and make it be something really special, yeah. um, and it's the one that really launch that because you get Hydra with their uh, super-powered Tesseract weapons, and you get Hugo Weaving as Red Skull really crushing it. You are deluded, Captain. You pretend to be a simple soldier, but in reality, you are just afraid to admit that we have left humanity behind. Yeah, <laughs> like, um just nail like Hugo Weaving is amazing and everything he's in. He's clearly awesome as like Agent Smith. He's awesome in Lord of the Rings. But like for some reason as Red Skull in this movie, I was like, 
blown away because it's just like I, probably because of that 80s Captain America where you get Red Skull and it's like the lamest thing <laughs> you've ever seen worst. in your entire life. It's and you're worst. like, Red Skull can't should be a cool villain, but he's just not because of this. And like you get to this movie and I'm like, oh my God, Red Skull is the coolest, most dastardly, conniving, and like sinister villain you could possibly have for Captain America because he just wants to crush the world and, and Steve Rogers wants nothing but to help it. Yeah. And you get all those incredible Tommy Lee Jones like training scenes oh, where yeah. Steve Rogers is like uh, everyone's climbing uh, cl- climbing the flagpole yeah. and he just knock he knocks it over. Yeah, that's and, genius. And it's like and the, the look that's on Peggy ca- Carter's face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> She's like, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's Captain America in a nutshell though. He's like, I, we're gonna find a way. We'll find a way uh, to to make this to make this work to win to get to where we need to be, uh, which is obviously like all over the end game um, marketing, like whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Um, this movie is just at its heart an adventure movie that establishes an origin story for a beloved character that is not boring, um, challenges itself from the get go in terms of like what is a hero. Yeah. Um, does the de aging thing too, where Steve Rogers is just a little scrawny little chump at the beginning. Uh, introduces Bucky. It just got in the Howling Commandos. Yeah, that's and- so cool. Uh, it's just got it's got this warmth to it that a lot of the other MCU movies don't have necessarily, but like they don't have to because this one set it up as it, it's mostly because it takes place in the forties. Um, and it has that like rip roar and adventurous spirit to it, you know. But um, there's something really special about this movie, and it's really like when I first heard that it was a good Captain America movie, I was like, I don't believe it. <laughs> like, and you go to see it, and you're like, that was a blast. The whole there was nothing wrong. With yeah, that it's movie. like a perfect. It is it's really... a perfect superhero movie. It's a perfect adventure movie. Um, it's a perfect launching point for the, the MCU itself. Um, because you get the tesseract, but you don't really know it's what the big deal is. Right. And it, but it's like, ooh, something, something bigger is going on here. I, th- I thought that I thought that was a, a a nice switcheroo too, because I I didn't obviously I wasn't alive in the '60s, but I I had like the Marvel Universe handbooks mm-hmm. that like basically like a who's who encyclopedia of everything, and and I I knew that the, one of the the first story arcs with the modern Red Skull was he was after the Cosmic Cube. Sure. Which was also something Thanos was was after. Mm-hmm. And and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they turned the, the Cosmic Cube into the Tesseract. Tesseract, right. Which also later turned into the Space Stone. Sure. So it's like, I just love how they, t- they, they evolved that. And still, again, touching on all those little moments that you couldn't have a story about the Red Skull if he wasn't after the Cosmic Cube. Right, like, right, they, right. They nailed that. It's, it's such a, it's it. such a, and, and to make it like uh, tied into like the Third Reich, yeah. and like you're questing for supernatural weapons yeah. to win the war, uh, but why not have a supernatural villain that's going after it too? That like wasn't in the history books, but he was trying to do just as uh, evil of a plot of a plot as uh, like Himmler and Hitler were. Yeah. Like it's it's like I said, like grounding it in reality, but making it elevated to that is just. That's the way to do it.
yeah, that's our top five MCU films list. Yeah. Um, I think we got a lot accomplished there. Um, yeah. I, I do want to quick talk. Um, this is somehow different to me, but there's the films that encapsulate what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is about. But what are your top five wow moments from it? Oh, well, I've got I've got kind of two lists in that regard. I've got my favorite, my best moments, and mm-hmm. then I've got my wow moments. So do you want to know my wow moments? I, I do want to know your wow moments. I think uh, we can... You're going to laugh when you... <laughs> number five. I love to laugh. So um, let's go. So you're, you, I didn't think you'd believe this, but when you, you brought it up earlier, but my number five is Hulk punching a space wolf. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get better. No. <laughs> it's like he laid that thing out. Oh, yeah. Uh, number four, Ant-Man going giant man mode. Oh, yeah. In uh, Civil War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blew my mind. And Ant-Man versus the Wasp, Yeah, of course. Uh, Cap arm wrestling a helicopter. Yep. Yes, please. Uh, and and also on that same one, the also the elevator scene. That oh, yeah. We, we both love. Um, that, whole, that whole escape scene is like out of control. Out of control. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, oh, yeah. Keep going. Uh, number two, Iron Man's first flight, the barrel roll with the F-15s. Yep, like, definitely. He is flying. Mm-hmm. A man in a suit of armor is flying. Oh, yeah. That set the stage for the for the Marvel Universe for me. Oh, yeah. And then my number one wow moment, uh, Hulkbuster versus the Incredible Hulk. Oh, man. Like... In a movie full of insane moments, like th- that m- might not need to happen in the movie, but I'm so glad it does because okay. it's like, uh, it's uh, it's really intense and like th- it shows Tony Stark's mentality so well <laughs> that he prepared. He for created this. a uh, he created a suit that could control the Hulk, and it's like um, that's that's a, kind of Batmanish in a way. Yeah, where he's pre- <laughs> preparing for all possible combinations of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with all those. Uh, that just the Hulk punching the space worm is like, <laughs> like I still get chills. Um, in terms of my moments, I kind of want to run through these quickly too, just because sure. I, I I think for the sake of time, but also like it's they touch on a lot of things that we've already talked about in the films. Uh, but uh, my runner-up, I said, was Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. I'm going to say it again. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's just like the best. Um, also in Guardians of the Galaxy, my number five moment is the, the uh, where. Uh, Peter Quill takes the power stone. Oh yeah! At the end, and then they all link, hands. all link hands, oh, yeah. and they all spread the power stone out throughout them, and it's we're a team now. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that's that's just such a, and that's one of the first times we ever see the true power of an Infinity Stone mm-hmm. too. I think it might be the first time. It's besides that, like implied powers yeah. to see the actual like devastation of an Infinity Stone can yeah. cause. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I like any any day where I get to say that the devastation and Infinity Stone causes <laughs> is a good day. Um, uh, the number four, the Captain America elevator fight. It's uh, so good. I'm just gonna harp on that forever, ever. Uh, number three, the party scene in Age of Ultron, where they all try to, <laughs> where they all try to lift Thor's hammer, is like oh, that's pretty good. The, pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's. <laughs> Uh, I, I sense some Age of Ultron well, hate. I think, no, 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 no. I think what was better was when the Vision finally just casually lifted it at the end of yeah, the Yeah, that's, that's, that's the <laughs> ultimate. That set it up. That's the ultimate payoff because, again, you get Captain America that lifts it just a little bit yeah. and Thor, and Thor kind of <laughs> is taking it back. But the best part, I'll, I'll, I'll slow down just a little bit here, but uh, these moments of like frivolity with these, you get this like, kind of intimate moment with people that usually are saving the world. Yeah. They're all just like half drunk at a party. Um, 
they're just hanging out with each other. That's cool as hell. Yeah, like, I agree. What's cooler than like hanging out with superheroes? Not I much. The, the farm scene is like that as well. Yeah, where they're, so, where they're splitting, where Captain America breaks <laughs> a, uh, a stump in half with his bare hands, uh, and his his pile is like three times as big as Iron Man's yeah. pile. Uh, really great. Uh, but like the the best part of that party scene to me is the promise of Ultron. At that point, is like he's at that point in the movie. Uh, so creepy and so oh, sinister yeah. and he comes crawling in half built yeah like a zombie uh is he's that's when he first is like there are no strings on me yep. um and at that copyright disney copyright yeah. <laughs> in case you didn't know this is a disney film uh but at that point before ultron is like a jokey uh goofy villain he's really sinister and like to have that as an introduction to him where he breaks up this moment of peace uh, i think that's a really great moment no. How could you be worthy? You're all killers. Stark. Jarvis. I'm sorry, I was asleep. Or I was a dream. Reboot. Legionnaire has got a buggy suit. Terrible noise. And I was tangled in, in strings. Had to kill the other guy. He was a good guy. You killed someone? Wouldn't have been my first call. But down in the real world, we're faced with ugly choices. Killmonger's death scene in, uh, in Black Panther so is one of the, like, to, to me, one of the weightiest moments in film history, but you don't, people don't give it a chance because it's in a, uh, Marvel movie. Why? So you could just lock me up? No. Mm-hmm. Just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships. Because they knew death was better than bondage. This is a superhero movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, where. Uh, uh, they're, they're referencing slavery. It's just this really powerful moment. I agree. It, that's my number two moment. My number one moment is what happens right after the Hulk punches the giant space worm, and it's that sweeping circle oh, shot. And yeah. the um, music plays for the first yeah. time. Oh, yeah. When the Avengers, and they don't say it, but when the Avengers assemble for the first time, yeah. is like still so chills, and it's still like, you don't, I, I feel like in, all, in movies lately, there aren't a lot of iconic moments per se there's not like a lot of uh like indiana jones swapping the idol out and the yep. you know that's a moment where like in 15 years they're gonna play that in oscar highlights reel yeah and it's like this is remember this movie you know um but yeah the avengers assembling for the first time incredible moment um so go into yours so so those were my i already did my wow moments so these yeah. are my these are my bet these are my my favorite moments which are kind of similar to yours as well sure so my number five and, and this is another I'll preface this uh, the reason that i was okay with leaving the first avenger off my list is some of my favorite moments are from that film so sure he was able to space things out a little you bit. get some time to talk about yep. it yeah so uh best moments from captain america the first avenger uh i, I have two from that one uh, the good man speech. Oh yeah. So with with the doctor when the night before his surgery when mm-hmm. they were talking about it and he pointed to his chest and mm-hmm. said, you know, I picked you because deep down you're you're a good man. Right. And um and when 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 he was shot during the experiment, 
you know, that was the last thing he's, he, with no words, he pointed to Steve's chest. And I think that was the, the com- that was the moment he's always going to remember and he's always going to stay true. Mm-hmm. That was his great power, with great yeah. power comes great responsibility moment. So um, there's that, and I love the, the montage of the Star Spangled Man. Many reasons. One, I think it just really em- emphasized the heart of that 1940s sure. theme and, and the fact that we got to see him in his cornier uh, stage like, Captain America like suit. Like a felt costume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just, I just love With the goofier the, shield. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's just, you, you see the evolution of what he wanted to be and the frustration of him not... And we see this in Winter Soldier later when he goes to visit... Uh, Falcon, when he goes to visit Sam, because he doesn't want, know he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life, right? And he had that that he, he's continuously having that moment where he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing, and that's why he keeps doing the right thing because that's all <laughs> yeah. he can do. Very good point. He's, he 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 always ends up with his compass pointing in the yep. right direction. He wanted to help America, and that guy said, well, "You want to help your America, help America, son? Here's what you do." He found list. himself the Star Spangled Man with a plan, right? And uh, the coda to that part is he ends up on the front uh, and he's the Star yeah. Spangled Man in front of the, the soldiers and they're like, they boo him, yeah. they hit him with tomatoes and it's like, okay, we're getting into some war satire in this movie too where it's like the American propaganda doesn't reach the front because these are still just men exactly. that like have to fight this war that they don't want to fight uh, yeah. but they have to anyways. Yeah, so which much is, growth. Yeah. Just so much. Yeah, it's yeah. these are not just... Uh, Kids' movies. Nope. I'm telling you. So that was my number five. Uh, number four. Uh, I know this is saturated, but Captain America. Won't <laughs> I think we like Captain America. Yeah, a little bit. Oh uh, boy. Um, the the end when when um, when with the, the the last scene with Bucky when when he he's doing his best to try to jog his memory. Oh yeah. And and, and you know that's, uh, that's what he said. You as know, everything's are exploding yeah, around yeah, him. You know, with you to the end of the line. Captain America, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for tomorrow. Uh, I'm not ready. Uh, number three from Guardians of the Galaxy. I have, uh, from both Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, two emotional moments. We are grouped. You can't. You'll die. Why are you doing this? Why? The initial We Are Groot is like a defining moment in my life. <laughs> like, And then from the second one, uh, he, met, he may have been your father, boy, but he wasn't your daddy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, uh, the, the Yondus. Yondus, yep. That was just two emotional moments from those movies. And then again, why I think that Guardians has so much heart. Uh, number two from the first Avengers movie, uh, the scene where Loki subjugates the crowd. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, the 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 old man 
refuses to kneel. And it's such a tense moment when he screams kneel and everyone just does, does what it. they're told. And then the one man, he's standing and he's not standing directly. He's kind of standing sideways, uh-huh. just frozen in time, doesn't want to move. And then Loki addresses him and, and uh, he says something to the effect of the, uh, Loki says, I, I won't kneel, not for men like you. And then Loki says, there are no men like me. <laughs> and then the man says, there are always men like you. And then right before he blasts him, Cap jumps in oh, yeah. and says, "Man, like I saw a man speak like you in Berlin. And <laughs> yeah. We didn't quite get agreed. Didn't see quite, eye to eye. Yeah, it still didn't quite see eye to eye. Oh, um, that moment I, was just fantastic. I have to mention, uh, I don't know if you have this in your notes, but I feel like you're doing this all from memory. <laughs> I, oh, I have no notes. Oh, Look, oh. Just, just the, I just have the no scenes. notes to hold me down. <laughs> just the scenes. Yeah, this is all from from the dome of Ryan Hip. Uh, yeah, this, that yes, for sure. I love that part too. Uh, and then my last one, number one, uh, from the original Iron Man, when the press conference, when Tony's trying to make the excuse uh, about you know the claims with Iron Man, and he just pauses and he's like, he just lets his vanity take over. <laughs> yeah. I am Iron Man. I am Iron Man. The truth is, I am Iron Man. Like, let's do he, this. He, yeah. That is just so quintessential Tony Stark. And, and uh, I remember seeing that in the theater in the crowd. Like, that's the final line of the movie before the credits hit. Everyone went nuts. Superhero that just gave away his yeah. secret identity. Just like, that's Tony Stark. In front of everybody. And like the, everyone in the theater which went wild. Yeah. Um, so good, and, and that's and, and flag that, in the sand. And for... that was one of the be- the first uh, amazing uh, end credit outros with the, the graphics. Mm-hmm. Like we really started seeing that more often in these movies, where you wanted to sit and watch through. Right, and of course, then that's when all the the post credit scenes started. And then we get two, and then we get five, yeah. <laughs> and then we so um, yeah, good list. Thank you, great you list. Too. The little detailed things are what matters for sure. It's not not. Just things blowing up. It's the little things they add in there. I, I just have to say that these movies mean so much to me. Yeah, and and, and what just... a what a cool experiment. What a cool thing that like worked out for them. And it's I know it's Disney. I know it's Marvel. These like giant um, entities that like don't have room to fail. Really, it's like it's not a giant risk. But like, what a cool thing that it happened. Like, what a cool thing that they've done this to this point so successfully in every movie. Like I said, there's duds here and there, like or like at least ones that are not as good. Um, it just builds on itself and becomes like this quality formula that keeps going. And it's like some things are super formulaic, but it it works. And yeah. it's just so it's so fun to watch. But it's also so meaningful because you have these characters that you've been with for ten years. Yeah. Um, I mean, and obviously way way longer than that too with the comics. I'm just talking specifically with the movies. But like you get to know these this iteration of them up close and personal and it's just like you said it's like a it's definitely like a relationship with them it's definitely like a friendship that you have with them you don't want to see your your buddies go yeah um and and you know the formulaic part too and i think this this is a great good segue to what's going to happen tomorrow when we see endgame i think this will be the first time that we have no formula oh yeah and i have all bets are off i don't know what's going to happen what's it going to be um that's a good segue into my surprise i have for you here ryan uh, it's a, it's a, a lightning round. 
It's called Alive or Dead. Uh, oh, okay. Where you have to give me an instant answer to every... Uh, this might be most of the remaining characters, whether they're going to be alive or dead by the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Um, are you up for it? I am. Alive or Dead. Here we go. Hulk. Alive. War Machine. Alive. Black Widow. Alive. Thor. Alive. Captain America. Dead. Ah, Iron Man. Alive. Alive? He's got to get married. <laughs> Hawkeye. Uh, alive. Pepper Potts. Alive. <laughs> Just because he has to get married, married. for your own like, for your own benefit. I like, think he's gonna retire. I think he's he's done. But okay, you don't think they're gonna try to draw any emotion from the fact that they're supposed to get married? I they wouldn't do that to us. I, I, <laughs> they're not gonna kill Cap. Happy and Iron Man. Let's let's keep we going. Can't, okay. Happy Hogan. Uh, alive. Wong. Alive. Alive. You have you have a lot of. I guess this isn't Game of Thrones, but. Uh, uh, I don't know why I put a Koye in here. Clearly, she's gonna be alive. Nebula, dead. Uh, Thanos, alive. Okay, controversial. Uh, Ant Man, alive. Captain Marvel, alive. There we go. Okay, so you're you're an optimist. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know what? There's some others that I think are gonna be dead. I think Gamora is gonna stay dead. Oh, but I, I, it's not alive or dead or resurrected. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think reversing the um, clock is a cop out. Yeah, but it might. But then they also have the time stone, which I, is like a thing. I don't want to theorize, <laughs> but I think that maybe what's going to happen is this is perfect because I want to talk oh, about. Oh, okay. Uh, what's the future of the MC the MCU based on what happens tomorrow when we finally see Endgame? I think, I think it's going to be kind of a. A wish fulfillment moment where it's going to be like it's not going to be a rewinding of the clock but universes are going to converge and 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 maybe it's a, a cause and a butterfly effect cause and effect situation where we might see something happen where quicksilver never died sure and now he's in the world but maybe his sister's gone now or um, maybe universe. Ooh, Scarlet Witch stays dead, but yeah, is, is she dead? No, she's dead. She, yeah, she gets yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe he comes back, but it's like a monkey's paw scenario yeah, yeah. where yes. like you do get some of it back, but you don't get all of it. Right, back. right. Or maybe universes start to multiply or split, and and this is their way of introducing mutants into this world. Or Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four for legitimately coming in. You know, and, and here's the thing about Fantastic Four. They, it's kind of like with Spider-Man. You didn't need a Spider-Man origin. We all know his origin. I think you could just have a portal in space and time open up and the Fantastic Four step out of it like space explorers. Oh, we just stumbled into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. And, and I have a theory about Far From Home being a, a, a double entendre as well, that he's far from home because he's in Europe, but... Maybe he's far from home because he's no longer in this universe. He's in a different. He's in a different timeline. He's in yeah. a different uh, version of the MCU where uh, Iron Woman or like you know well, uh, they Iron did, Heart. They did say in the preview that Mysterio is like Thor and Iron Man rolled into one. So it's definitely a universe where they acknowledge the, those characters. But who knows? Maybe it's yeah. who who knows how they can reconcile all of that. Oh my goodness! I I, do, I think it would be a cop out just to say everything's going to go back to 
Yeah, I don't, was, I don't think they would do that. We all live happily ever after. I think that would be too much of a cop-out for sure. I do and think I, too many deaths will break everyone's heart. Yeah. Like, I just don't know if we have it in us to see all these characters we love go away. Maybe Thor dies or goes to Valhalla. I don't, think, I don't or, think... I think Captain America and Iron Man are on the chopping block for sure. Oh, um, yeah. I think Hulk might be too. Well, Hulk, you know, they introduced... What's her name? Uh, Dr. Choi. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the Cho, Cho, sorry, uh, yeah. And in in the comics, her son gets past the gamma mm-hmm. radiation. Yep. Um, so maybe they'll do something like that. Maybe. And maybe, maybe that's the alternate timeline that comes into play. Yeah. Is like her. Yeah. There's a lot that can happen. I think all bets are off. We don't know what's going to happen. But um, who who do you think is a bigger threat than Thanos? Who do I think is a bigger threat than Thanos? Mm-hmm. That at, where could they the, where, in, the, the, in the current? Where could they where could they possibly go? That's bigger than someone that erased half of existence with oh, a snap. So this is all bets are off like me just saying yeah. Kang the Conqueror. Sure. I'm going Galactus. Oh yeah, Galactus, for sure. Which is who's already been he was in that last Fantastic Four movie, but it was like more like the Warren Ellis. Yeah, like the Cloud. Cloud world devouring cloud. I want pink and purple suit Galactus. Who is your number one most wanted edition? Prince Namor the Submariner. <laughs> Boom. I love that. Um, I think that it could work really well. He, they could introduce him as a villain, which would be different than like Aquaman. Sure. Because like, I don't think people will just accept, oh, there's Marvel's Aquaman. Mm-hmm. They're just following suit. They introduce him as like, uh, he's ruler of Atlantis. He's from two worlds as well. He's Marvel's first mutant. Maybe there's ties to World War II because he was a... Or you know he ages very slow. He comes up to the surface because we're wrecking the environment, mm-hmm. and he's a ecological, you know, answer to our the problems of the world. And they've got a, you know, and that makes for an interesting villain as well because his intentions are good. He just cares about the the planet. And, That's what happened in Aquaman, though. I guess it did. You just wrote Aquaman. <laughs> Dang it. Um, good thought, though. Um, but but in the comics he was kind of a I mean he was an ally to Doctor Doom at parts mm-hmm. and he, he's he was kind of chaotic neutral he was like, he, yeah he, he he kidnapped Sue Storm every once in a while like <laughs> multiple Kong. times <laughs> multiple, come on he man he said a thing for her uh, leave her alone uh, <laughs> uh, I I think mine is I, I want a, a Modok oh yeah scenario I can't believe they haven't done him already and like, like in, in Iron Man 3 when they introduced AIM mm-hmm. they could have alluded to MODOK I mm-hmm. think that would have been amazing sure um, and I think that's a situation where I want a literal MODOK I don't want a, oh yeah I want like a giant floating head with yeah, or, tiny or the, arms they're like we introduced a villain with a really big ego like he's got a big head <laughs> and I'm like no, no throwing popcorn at the MODOK. yeah uh, hashtag not my MODOK well, that about wraps it up then. That was uh, our view into the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, wherever it goes from here. We have no idea. Uh, tomorrow, we finally get the answer of what happened to the disappeared in Avengers Infinity War with Avengers Endgame, uh, a culmination of now 22 movies um, that I think we've explored pretty successfully during, during this podcast, right? I agree. Right? Thank yeah, you. For sure. And thank you for doing this with me. It was a blast. I had a really uh, good time. I, uh, I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else but you. Oh, thanks. Uh, Same here. Because, yeah, for sure. I know that you love this as much as I do. Actually, a million times more than I do. <laughs> uh, for sure. This is, uh, yeah, a, a really good time. And uh, 
get a lot off our chests. I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is just the things that we think about at work that we like can't say, but like now we can. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Shallow Focus this week, guys, and uh, we'll see you after the end game. I wanna be an end game. I wanna be your first string. I wanna be your A team. I wanna be your end game, end game. Big reputation. <laughs>